So uh, we are coming towards the end of this part of our series uh, called Hope for a Culture in Crisis. This morning's entitled The New Way. And um, we're going to be having a look at a passage in the book of Romans, uh, Romans chapter 7. And what we'll do is we'll work through that passage as we go through it. So various bits will come up on the screen um, unless I am technologically challenged. In which case I'll be looking for someone to help me over there, Tom. Um, so, uh, the, the truth is this, irrespective of it, there's a lot about human progress. We hear a lot about human pro progress, technical, techn technological advances that are at uh, exponential scale. Um, but there's overwhelming evidence to the fact that we're living in a culture that really is in trouble. Um, you just take something like climate change. Um, every, all the experts are telling us that we are close to reaching the point of no return where the Earth's climate will be so damaged it will be irreversible and there'll be no way back. That's what we're being told. Um, we, uh, in terms of issues, in terms of our society, in terms of uh, uh, our health issues, mental health issues, uh, mental health issues are, are rising at an extraordinary rate in our country where they reckon 25% of people suffer some form of mental health challenges, not all of those are diagnosed. Um, we, uh, in terms of just politically, we're at, we're at a stage, the Brexit standoff may get resolved this week, may not. Um, but if nothing else, what uh, it tells us is that we have lost confidence and trust in a political solution to our problems. I'm um, bottom line. Uh, in terms of uh, the sexual freedom uh, uh, that was, uh, we pursued in the 60s, uh, 1960s, uh, it's left an unresolvable trail of destruction, which we are still seeing evidence of in our society today. And the list goes on. And Paul was writing to a Roman society, and the demise of that society was happening all around him. And it does bear stark similarities to what we're seeing today. Um, in our world. And in the first century, the gospel was Paul's answer to a culture in crisis. Gospel means just simply good news. And the centuries have come and gone, um, but the solution is the same. The God who created all things, including us, is the only one that can put uh, right this mess that we've made of the world that we live in. This good news is that God, in his incredible mercy, has not given up on us. And it's what we deserved. <laughs> we really do deserved it, deserve it. But he has provided the answer. He's provided a new way for us to live in relationship with himself. And in the first six chapters of his letter to the Romans, Paul has been unpacking this new way for us and uh, for us to relate to God. And, and, and to be honest, it's the height of arrogance for us to believe uh, that the one who created us, the one who formed us, the one who made the heavens and the earth, isn't bothered by our uh, independence, our deliberate, uh, we will not live with reference to you. The Bible calls it sin. And Paul makes it clear, God hates it. God hates it. He must. He must hate it because he's holy. He's different from us. He is the creator. It is outrageous for us to turn our back on the one who created us. It is extraordinarily arrogant. 
We are all guilty. None of us can stand in God's presence with any hope based on how we've performed. None of us live up to his perfect standards. And he knows it, and we're all in trouble. We all need help. And the gospel, the good news, is that God has sent a rescuer. He sent someone to rescue us, and he sent his own son, Jesus. And through him, through Jesus, we now have uh, what the Bible calls right standing, righteousness. That's what the word means, just right standing. We can stand in God's presence, acceptable, right standing, because of what Jesus has done. A new way has been opened up for us. But there is only one way in. This is what it says in uh, Romans 5, verses 1 to 2. Therefore, since we've been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And so I want to uh, uh, just uh, use an illustration. I want you to imagine, I mean, our house is a little like um, Santa's Grotto at the moment. I'm married to Annie. Uh, Most of you will know her, but she's Mrs. Christmas. She loves it. We've got all the decorations are up the tree. We are lit up like from space they can see us. (laughs) They can see the Great Wall and they can see our house lit up at night. And um, I want you to imagine that um, we go to, uh, uh, I, I take Annie to Lapland. We're going to go and go and see Santa's Grotto or whatever. And we get there and we, we get off the plane, we get into the airport and, um, and uh, I, we get to uh, customs and they say, okay, um, yes. And I say, it's okay, uh, I'm married to Mrs. Christmas. And they go, Sorry, I'm Steve Chick. I'm married to Mrs. Christmas. You, you know, Annie, Mrs. Christmas. They go, Sorry, can't come in. No idea. My who I, I'm married to, my state. It means nothing. What allows me entrance? I, I need a passport, and that passport is the Queen, that Her Royal Majesty, requests and requires that the bearer of this passport be allowed entrance into the And they go, oh, right, okay, you, you can come in. I can't come in for any other reason other than I have access through one person. One person allows me access. And that is what Paul is, is talking about here. He's saying there's one person that we have access into God's presence, and that's Jesus. There's no other way. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how hard you try. It doesn't matter who you're married to. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter how hard you try, you will not get in. You can only come into God's presence through Jesus, and that is through what he has done for us. That is called grace, something that we don't deserve, we haven't earned, Unmerited favor of God. This access to grace isn't temporary like, a, uh, like a, a passport. It is a permanent thing. It is a permanent thing. We want to come into God's presence. There is only one way. There is a great divide between us and God. There is only one way in, and it is through grace. We will not do it any other way. There is no way other than through Jesus. God forgives us because what Jesus did on the cross, he died in our place, took the punishment of God for our wrongdoing, our rebellion, our independence, and Jesus bore our punishment. 
the rightful, God was rightly, God's rightful anger at us is, is spent on Jesus, paid the price. We can come across through grace into the presence of a Father in heaven who loves us. That is extraordinary. We stand in a new place. We simply receive forgiveness. God forgives us because of what Jesus has done. We don't deserve it, but we receive forgiveness. We stand in grace. The Bible calls it justification, just as if I'd never sinned. We stand in a new place through grace as if we'd never done anything wrong because of what Jesus did for us. It's grace. And we need to rest in that grace that we are accepted and secure, but there's only one way in through Jesus. And if we've received that, system, uh, if you have put your trust in Jesus, you need to remain in grace. You need to stand in grace. Don't go backwards. You stand in the grace of God. And Paul says that if we do that, we will reign in life. And then he goes on to say in Romans 5, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace... There's an overflow of grace. Grace knows no end. And we receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness, this right standing with God. We will reign in life, which we were hearing about in the worship, through the one man, Jesus Christ. I want you to, uh, using that uh, uh, queen illustration, the royal family, I mean, if you think about the royal family at the moment, I don't know what, uh, whether you've been following the news, Prince Andrew is part of the reigning royal family. Whatever we think about what's been going on, nothing is more certain he is not reigning well. Nothing's more certain. When we came into the family of God, when we put our trust in Jesus, when we put our trust in Jesus, we come into a new family. We stand in a new place. We're part of the family of God. We are to reign in life. Are we reigning well in life? Are we reigning in life well? Paul, this echoes through all of Paul's letters that we should live a victorious life. It doesn't mean that our circumstances, everything goes well, doesn't mean that at all, actually. But it means in the midst of circumstances, not going, we're called to reign in life. So we're supposed to be over our circumstances, not under them. Circumstances can be really rubbish. And some of you may be going through a really difficult time at the moment. Okay, I understand that. But the promise is that we can reign above our circumstances. The circumstances won't change, but actually we know God with us. The God who created the heavens and earth is with us. That helps us in the midst of the rubbish stuff that happens in life. Our problem is our experience falls a lot short of that, doesn't it? i give you a, a little example of what it's like. You know, we, we come on Sundays and, and, and we just we know we've not done very well that week. Have you ever come to church gathering like this when you felt like that? I've done very well this week. And we, we feel guilty, blown in, blow. And, and so what, what happens is we come in we feel, and we, go, we feel a bit remorseful. And we feel, so we, we pray and whatever. And then we leave. We feel a bit better. But by Monday, it's all gone and we've, we're back in this place we were. And then we come again on, uh, on the, uh, when we gather again and we go, oh, God, I bless it. Oh, no, I messed up again. And go, oh, okay, I feel a bit better. Monday, oh, no, blow. And we go through this cycle of, uh, of, of sin, of repent, putting it, trying to put it right, of sin and guilt. And we live in this world where it's, it feels a little like that. The harder we try to please God, the more legalistic we become. 
Okay? And we can, we can, we can, we can be guilt-ridden and we can feel like that. And that, this is the truth. This, I read this this week. When God begins to do a new thing in a new way, the greatest opposition comes from the old thing and its old ways. It's just a helpful way. Actually, God wants us to live this way, but the hardest bit is the old thing and the old way is pulling us, trying to, trying to take us back into something. It's true, isn't it? I want to ima- you to imagine, uh, I want you to imagine that James has, um, encourages us all to, um, encourages us all to fast for a day. Let's go without food for a day and, and pray. I mean, it's a big deal, isn't it, James, yeah, doing that? that. It would be a big deal. And, uh, but you go, you go, yeah, yeah, okay, James, what we're praying for, we're going to pray for Hope North, and oh, that'd be great. And um, you promise, and you, you're going to do it. And then Monday morning, halfway through breakfast, you remember. <laughs> oh, no, probably James does as well. Why well, hasn't everybody do that? And he's halfway through his breakfast, and he's going, oh, blow. And then he feels guilty. And you feel guilty. You think, oh, no. And then you think, I've got to, oh, no. He's, 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 it's James on the phone, so you don't answer it. He sends you emails and WhatsApps and, you know, and you're like, oh, I, can't, I don't go there. You, I won't look at those because you're trying to avoid it. Mate. Do you do that? You avoid, avoid people because you just think, oh, no, I've blown it. I've messed up. I've got it wrong. See, trying to harder, trying harder to keep the rules doesn't help us reign in life. In fact, it does the opposite. We only reign in life when we receive God's abundant gift of grace. That's the only way we can reign in life. God, Paul makes it clear that we can only live God's way with God's help. And so God gives us his Holy Spirit. He graciously, graciously, undeservedly gives us his Spirit to help us live for him. The Bible calls that sanctification. So we stand in a place where we're just as if I'd never seen justified. So I stand before God like that. But actually, the Holy Spirit helps us live that out day by day. You can't have one without the other. <laughs> okay? And so, but we need God's help. We don't want to go back to the old way, go back over the bridge. No, 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 no. We're going to live this new way. I need God's help. Holy Spirit, will you help me today? Help me today. The Holy Spirit changes our heart motivation, gives us a new heart. Now we don't have to live for God, as Jim would say. We get to do it. We don't have to. It's not about rules. Oh, wow, God's done something. I want to live differently. And this new way of living, this new way that God has us, results in us living fruitful lives for God. See, reigning in life isn't based on your performance. We, relate, we reign in life because of our position of who we are, not on the basis of what we've done. And to those who are in Christ, Paul says, you are not under law, you're under grace. He actually says in chapter 6, verse 14, you are not under law, you're under grace. And, and then Paul goes on to use an example to press home the point about law, grace, and, and living Lives that please God. And, and he describes a woman who is married to an overbearing husband. Okay, so 
he, he just uses an example. He's not talking about marriage here. He's talking about our relationship to living by rules and regulations and living in God's grace. And he's trying to make a point. And he says that uh, about this woman that she is bound by the law. And he says that since I'm speaking to those who know the law, brothers and sisters, don't you know that the law rules over someone as long as he lives? For example, a married woman is legally bound to her husband while he lives. So uh, when you get married, as you get married in, in Hope Church, uh, you will take vows. And the vows, you will say things like, I promise to love, comfort, honor, forsake all others, be faithful as long as I live, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. And then at the end, you'll say this, according to God's holy law, and this is my solemn vow. That's what you, you would say if you got married at Hope Church. You've made promises. You've made promises before God that you said for sickness and in health, as faithful as long as we both shall. Now, hear me. I, this is not about marriage, okay? This illustration is not about marriage. So there, I know there are people who have had tricky backgrounds in terms of stuff in the past. This is the point Paul's making is a point about law and grace. And he, Paul describes his readers and the whole of humanity, including us, as being married to the law. And, and the law is described as a person personified as a, an overbearing husband from whom we've no escape. And since we're married to the law, you can't choose another because that would be adultery. So we have a husband who has complete authority over us as long as we live. He's not kind. He's constantly telling us what to do. Do this, do that. You're not doing that right. Don't do it like that. Do it like this. No, no, don't do that. Do this. And you're like, you can never get it right. He's overbearing. He's constantly pointing out our mistakes and failures. We can't keep his rules. He seems to spend all his time doing that, and he doesn't lift a finger to help us. And we can't argue because deep down, we know he's right. There's something, he's, actually, we know he's right. And it's a terrible place to be. He may be a perfectionist, but we can't fault his standards. But they are unattainable for us. We can't do it. And Jesus himself says that the law will never die. This awful husband will live forever. We're married to an overwhelming, fault-finding husband who never lifts his finger to help and who will never die. Till death us depart. I saw this meme there you are, I mean, they getting down with the youth. A meme this week. Till death us depart. I'm on it. The reality is, it doesn't work like that. It does not work like that. It's not possible. Actually, Paul says we need to die to be free. We need to die to be free. And he says this, but if a husband dies, she's released from the law regarding the husband. So then if she's married to another man, while her husband is living, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she's free from that law. Then if she is married to another man, she's not an adulteress. So let's change the illustration a bit. So I, I want you to imagine uh, the most awful boss that you can imagine. That was This is David Brent uh, from The Office, uh, uh, comedy in the early 2000s 
And uh, just a terrible boss. I don't know if you've ever had a boss that's difficult. I remember having a boss who was uh, dinosaur, uh, dinosaur Dave, and uh, he would come in the office and he'd throw files around and he'd shout and he'd bang the desk. Steve, tell me why we can't do this. Because uh, we'll go to prison if we do that. <laughs> uh, is that good enough? Bang, down, down. He was like, he was all right, handful, really difficult uh, person to work for. People were terrified of him. Paul uses, when he's talking about marriage, he's talking about a relationship like that. So when he's talking about marriage, he's talking about something that's like that. It's just awful. And humanly, there's no way out. And, and so what Paul does, he f- suddenly flips the argument on its head. He flips the argument on his head and he, he, he doesn't promise that the husband will die, the law will die. The law's not going to go away. He says, we die to the law. We die. Oh, so Paul flips it on his head. He says, through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we die to the law. And so what happens is when Jesus died in our place, we associate with him. So when someone gets baptized, we had a baptism uh, last Sunday afternoon. And um, when someone gets baptized, they go into the water. We baptize, they go under the water. And what they're saying when they go under the water, they're saying, I associate with what Jesus did for me. He died for me, and I'm dying like being buried to my old life. When I come out of the water, it's, I come to new life. It's a new life. I'm dead to the old. I'm alive to the new. And so God considers that we died with Christ, our old self. We were controlled by that old nature of, of, uh, uh, of godless nature. But when we put our trust in Jesus, we were crucified, the Bible says, with Christ. And just like Jesus, we have now been born again. That's why this language is so important. We've been raised to a new life. We are now in Christ. It's a language, the language Paul uses in his letters, he says you are now in Christ. You're inextricably linked to Jesus. Irrevocably linked. You're linked to him. You are, when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. Wow, that's amazing. Our ex-husband hasn't died, but we have. We're free from his control. And see, all the law's requirements are satisfied through Jesus. Jesus lived the perfect life. He never did anything wrong. He, uh, he was completely innocent. He even said to people around him, he, he said this in John chapter 8, which of you convicts me of sin? Who can find fault with me? Now, if I stood here and said, right, who can find fault with me? There should be a very, very long queue, probably Bill Gillen at the front. <laughs> very, lo- very long queue, because I can't, I can't say that. He could. No one could find fault with him. Jesus perfectly obeyed the law. This is what it says. Listen to this. It's not going to come up on the screen, but listen to this. But Christ has rescued us. Christ has rescued us. We needed rescuing from the curse pronounced by the law. The law casts a curse of We can't get out of it. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. The curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. The law is fully satisfied by what Jesus did for us. Jesus took the full wrath of a holy God. We are now dead to the law. We are discharged from his authority. It's a bit like Dinosaur Dave. I, I leave the employment of the employer and I, I, I've left. I think, oh, wow, 
Thank goodness he can't shout at me anymore. And then Tuesday morning, the phone rings. Yeah. Where are you? Get back in here. I want this done. I'm not going to. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, what did I do with that fire? What did I do? Oh, no, I don't work for them anymore. I've ended employment. I, I've ended employment. I don't work for them anymore. He has no authority of me anymore. The law has no authority over us. If we allow those voices to listen to those voices, the Bible says that sin will still master us. We have a new identity. We're new creations. We're no longer the people we once were. When we baptized someone last week, the guy being baptized, Lee, he said, um, he said, I've lived a really, basically said, I've lived a really colorful life. He said, but I'm not going to talk about any of that. He said, because that's all gone. I want to much more focus on the future. That is what it's all about. That's what it's all about. See, the truth is, we belong to another. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you were also put to death. You were put to death in relation to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another. Do you get it? You now belong to another. I mean, Paul says you're not free to go around and do what you like now. Oh, right. I'm dead to what oh, I can do what I like. No, 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 no. You've not understood it if you think that. We're free so we can belong to another. Jesus, uh, there's a story of Jesus tells of, um, of a guy. He lands in a, a place called, grows across Galilee, and he, he, he comes to a place called uh, the Gadarenes. And he meets this guy who is possessed by demons. And this guy, uh, in today's society, we would say he has all sorts of issues. He's running around with no clothes on. They can't do anything with him. Uh, he, we would say he's got all sorts of issues, mental health issues, whatever. But he's he literally wild, and he's in pain, and he's anguished, and and he meets Jesus, and Jesus sets him free in a moment. So the the chains that people try to put on him, he breaks off because he's just got the strength to do it. But he's bound by all sorts of other things, fears, and whatever. And Jesus sets him free in a moment. The chains are gone. Suddenly, he, he knows he's, he's, he gets dressed. He's sitting in his right mind. And he says to Jesus, Jesus, now, I want to come with you. I belong to you. He's not free there. He doesn't want to go and do whatever he likes. Oh, no, I want to, I want to be with you, Jesus. And Jesus says, no, no, what I want you to do, I want you to go back to your community, and I want to tell them what you've, I've done for you. And he goes, oh, okay. He goes, but he lives, he's living for Jesus now. He's not living for himself, living a whole new way. Jesus frees him to live a free life to help others find freedom. You see, we belong to God and we have now been given the privilege of living for him. I want to say this, I want you to get this. If we're resentful of Jesus' demands on our life, Oh, I've got to do that. Mm, I've got to live like that. Mm. You have not understood the mercy and the grace of God. Do you get that? I, I've, I've had moments where I've, I, have, I have fallen from grace. The Bible says when I do that. Fallen from grace. Because what I've done, I've slipped into, mm, do I have to do that? Mm, do I, do? I, I, I can guarantee you've had a moment where you've thought that at some point. Actually, we're not to live like that. We live, we, he has given us life to the full that we can live in freedom and help others find freedom. 
This is what uh, Paul tells the Corinthians. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. God is, you belong to God. And God gives you his spirit, his Holy Spirit, who lives within you. God's given you his spirit to help you live this life. It opens up a whole new possibility. We belong to God, but we can bear fruit for God. You belong to him who was raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. You see, fruitfulness wasn't possible previously. We just followed orders. The Lord didn't bring us life. Rules and regulations didn't bring us life. We it, just, it, was, it, it was just a pressure to keep living that way. Merely telling us to do something, us telling us not to do something, didn't stop us from doing it. So I remember my earliest, one of my earliest memories are my mum saying to me, Steve, I would have been probably five. She said, you're walking into the village, it's a little village in the middle of uh, Nottinghamshire. She says, Steve, don't go over the stepping stones on the brook, go over the bridge. I went, oh, stepping stones. <laughs> I could go over that. Wow, I hadn't thought of that. So she tells me, and, and actually suddenly it puts something in my head. I go, oh, I wonder. So I come back home. She says, did you go over the bridge, like I told you? I went, yes. She said, and my foot. Of course, her feet are wet because I've fallen in. I'm in big trouble. I mean, because what the law does, it puts some, it actually provokes something in us. The law, the whole purpose of the law was to point us. We needed saving. We need a savior. We need to, because we can't do it. We won't do it by ourselves. We need a savior. That's what Paul says in Romans. That's why the law points us to Christ. Paul in fact, John says this. He records Jesus' words in John chapter 15. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. So Jesus says, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch, he's using an analogy of a vine, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. You need to remain in Jesus. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Reigning in life is a possibility if we're no longer subject to rules and regulations. None of us need to go back to laws and rules to help us live for God. All we need to do is get closer to Jesus. Let me say that again. None of us need to go back to rules and regulations and trying harder and I must read my Bible and I must do this. If I don't do that, God will... We need to get closer to Jesus. We need to live in the grace of God. Terry Virgo calls it the scandal of the gospel. It is absolutely outrageous. It's the grace of God. This is what it says as we come to the end. In Romans chapter 7, verse 6, For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions aroused through the law, you know, like the stepping stones. Ooh, stepping stones. Why could tell? The sinful passions aroused through the law were working in us to bear fruit for death. 
Did you go over the stepping stones? No, no, I didn't. <laughs> oh, yes, you did. But now we have been released from the law. Since we have died to what held us, so we may serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the old letter of the law. We're to live in a new way. God has given us his spirit. He wants us to be people who are filled with the spirit. That's why it's so important to be filled with the spirit. Not just once, but every day. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And the language is present continuous. What it means is be filled and go on being filled with the Spirit every day, every moment of every day. We need his help. What about you? Are you continuously living by the Spirit? Paul says to the Galatians, if we're led by the Spirit, we are not under law. Do you get that? If you live by the Spirit, you're not under law. You live in a different way. We live lives that show the fruit of God's presence, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, because the Holy Spirit is working through us. We're not perfect. We don't get it right. We need help. And we need to keep short accounts with God because we don't get it wrong all the time. We trip up and make mistakes. Paul says to the Galatians, let's not get weary in taking every opportunity to do good. Let's keep in step with the Spirit. Sometimes we run ahead. Sometimes we drag our feet. No, no, no. We walk with the Spirit, step by step. I remember when Meg was little. My, well, she's not little anymore. She's probably taller than me, but which doesn't take a lot. But um, I remember walking with her, and we would walk, and and she'd try to walk and step with me. And her steps, because her stride was so much at the time was short of mine. It's not anymore. But you know, she would try to walk in. St- in time with me and there was a she had to get her she was the one that had to adjust that's what it's like we need to adjust to the Holy Spirit's leading if we're gonna live daily lives in the grace of God grace teaches us grace teaches us to say no to some things no I'm not gonna do that that's what Paul says to Titus he says the grace of God teaches us to say no to some stuff no I'm not gonna do that I don't want to do it why don't I do it oh because he's got to beat me up if I if I don't, no, 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 I don't do it because I love Jesus. I don't live like that. I want to please him. Let's be a people hungry for grace. This is a quote from Philip Yancey's book, What's So Amazing About Grace. We're to be a community of people thirsty for grace. Like alcoholics on the path to recovery, we share a mutually acknowledged weakness. Gravity tempts us to believe we can make it on our own. Grace corrects that error we need the grace of God every day we're gonna worship in a second so maybe we can but I just want to I had this picture this morning at at central I just want to share it with you because I think we can get a little like this we can we can find ourselves we feel stuck you say Steve I hear all of that but my life I feel a little like that gets stuck I feel I'm stuck if you've ever seen um, the film The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, have you read the story? There's a moment, what happens is people get frozen by the, the white witch or whatever she is. And, they get, so, and there's this place where these people are just frozen. They can't move, they're stuck. And then Aslan, the lion, comes in and he breathes on them in his breath and suddenly they're set free. The great king of kings is amongst us this morning. 
He's walking amongst us by his spirit. You may feel stuck, frozen, I'm messed up, I keep getting it wrong. God says, no, no, no. Let that God by his spirit breathe on you. Receive life. Receive of his spirit and God sets you free. God breaks chains. God sets us free. We're, none of us are perfect, okay? There is no condemnation. The, we come in, we feel guilty. The Bible says there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's a beautiful phrase. No condemnation. Yeah, but it, no, no, no. No condemnation. Yeah, no, no, no. No, no condemnation. And you may feel stuck, and God wants to set you free. And so I'm going to hand back over to Matt and James, and they'll lead us in a response. But I want you to know you can be free. You can live free. You can live a whole different way. God wants you to be full of his spirit. He wants you to know what it is to reign in life.